Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and what we're doing this time round is Baldur's Gate 3. Now, if you know your video games, you might turn around and say, hey, Jem, wasn't that the hotness in autumn of 2023? Yes, it was, but I'm doing it now because it took me a long time to play and I didn't grab it on day one and I have so many things to say about it. And therefore, it will lead us into this idea of role-playing. And I've dug deep, everybody. I've come up with the oldest versions of Choose Your Own Adventure is perhaps the wrong way to put it, but books that do not have a linear narrative that can change. And that's really interesting to me. I fell down a rabbit hole on that one. So although I will be talking largely about the 20th and 21st centuries, I will actually be talking about 3,000 years ago as well. So, yeah, that was a surprise to me too. So, it's also been a while since I've done an episode on video games. So, if you haven't heard of Baldur's Gate 3... What are you talking about? ...then you don't really play video games, because this thing has been hot. It has won... All the awards for various things like technical specifications, but storytelling as well, some of the voice acting. It's just been an absolute massive success. And it's an example of a role-play game. Shouldn't there be a board or some pieces or something to Jenga? No, no, this is a role-playing game. And indeed, the thing about the Baldur's Gate series, and full disclosure, a bit like The Witcher, I came in in the third one. I haven't played the previous ones, but there's good reason for that, as you will find out in a moment. The thing about Baldur's Gate is it is based on the mechanics of Dungeons & Dragons. It is an officially endorsed product. So with that in mind, it's very much linked to Dungeons & Dragons, which is having quite the renaissance. Now, I did do a whole episode on D&D, And therefore, I'm not going to go into how that was all started and the controversy around it back in the 1980s. But to bring you up to speed a little bit on it, in that particular episode, I talked about how Stranger Things had created more excitement and broadened the image of Dungeons & Dragons to a whole new generation. Indeed, I noticed that there was a starter box. A lot of the starter box boxes take you through the first four levels of a total of 20 levels that you can get and has some 
pre-created characters and some maps and the basic rules in there and some dice, all this stuff together. So you, your friends, for not a lot of money, can at least get going. Then if you want the deeper information, go buy the other books. Something I'll come on to in a moment. But I noticed that there was a specific book. Most of them will invariably have a dragon on the front of it because dragons are cool and it's also part of the name. All these reasons, brand awareness. But there was a specific Stranger Things starter set with even a little figure of one of the monsters from Stranger Things, which I looked at and thought, oh, that's, that's just genius. That's a great way to get kids into it. But in 2023, it was a, quite a hot property. End of 22, we had Stranger Things Season 4, so that was still being talked about in 23. Then there was the Dungeons & Dragons movie, which sadly did not set the box office on fire, but absolutely got across the fun element of Dungeons & Dragons. It was an action comedy. It was much funnier than most people would expect. And the problem has been with previous D&D movies is they've been very heavily inspired by Lord of the Rings, which is appropriate because the original product is heavily inspired by Lord of the Rings. But whereas Lord of the Rings is very portentous and very serious and everybody's talking in kind of hod Shakespearean wording, with this, it was like fast and loose. Yes, it's set in a medieval world, but there are jokes galore, ingenious little tricks with various magical items, and there's even a heist, something that does not happen in any J.R.R. Tolkien products and stories. So it was just joyous, and while it was by no means a bomb, it did all right, but the budget was a decent-sized budget. This is the issue with D&D. You're going to need to have quite a lot of magical monsters and film in location in somewhere in Central Europe in a city that looks medieval. So it's it's a relatively expensive undertaking to do it right. I've seen, I think, two other Dungeons & Dragons movies. Not good. And of course, there was the TV show back in the 80s as well, the animated series. So that was something. And then... Towards the end of the year, Baldur's Gate 3 finally comes out. Now, I said I'd come back to this. Baldur's Gate 3 has come out 14 years after Baldur's Gate 2, and it has been in early access for something like three or four years. So the first area, low-level area of Baldur's Gate 3, has been playable for years as they polished and then polished and then polished some more. And by the time I completed it, well, although the clock said 76 hours, I know I'd played way more than that because there are times when you lose or you decide to go in a different area or you want to go back and, and make your choices a different way. It just felt wrong. Glorious stuff. So I have sunk. It wouldn't surprise me if I haven't sunk 100 hours into Baldur's Gate 3. And the thing about roleplay games is they can be some of my favourite types of games. Earlier in 2023, I did an episode and said to everybody, I've had enough of games as service, particularly Overwatch 2 Hurt. I had such a great time. I'd put in hundreds of hours into the original Overwatch, and Overwatch 2 was worse in every possible way, and there was no way to open up skins free of charge. You just had to pay for everything. And now rather than saying, hey, we got a new map or we got a new hero, it's like, we've got the BTS skins. 
that nobody was asking for and I don't care. And it's trying to be Fortnite, but it isn't as flexible and it's far more money grabbing than Fortnite. Shame on Blizzard. So things like that, things like Battlefield 2047, when the trolls were just sort of hitting everybody in the spawn area with their helicopter gunships, just there's a lot of jankiness out there. And so I fell into and fell in love again with the games that aren't necessarily online. Now, with Baldur's Gate 3, you can actually play it online with a total of three friends. So the four central characters in the group, you can actually be four real people talking to each other on the microphone and going off on an adventure, you know, like in Dungeons and Dragons. But calling it an online game isn't really right. I haven't played it that way. I've created a character. She is a drow wizard, for the record. And the other three people were the prearranged people that make part of the story. Indeed, you can swap them out and sometimes they die. Sometimes they get so angry with you, they leave permanently from the group. You make serious choices. Your choices have consequences. And therefore, subsequently, while Larian Studios are the people, the geniuses behind Baldur's Gate 3, while they do claim that there are 17,000 different endings, of course, some of that is down to it could be the same ending that I got that you got. It's just slightly different composition of characters standing there on screen because I just happen to have, let's say, Karlak there and you've got Astarian there or whatever. So different people. And of course, the way they get to such a huge number is what is everybody actually wearing, which armor sets, etc. So dialing it back substantially, there are still dozens of meaningful different endings where throughout there can be, and, and it's been fascinating, I've been playing it at the same time as my boys, and I must give you a warning, both my boys are teenagers now, they're 15 or older, so they can handle a fair amount of stuff, but it's quite adult. It says at the beginning, do you want nudity turned on and or off? And I told the boys, no, we're not having nudity, but you can romance, Jem said politely, various party members and other people as well. I was most surprised when I ended up having a passionate clinch with a Might Flayer. And if you don't know what a Mind Flayer is, imagine a pale humanoid with the head of an octopus. <laughs> yeah, that surprised me that, that, that I went there. <laughs> okay, and also just wanting to see what would happen. Turned out that there was a princess of hell, a, a hellish demon princess, who uh, showed me a good time as well. I am very flexible, clearly, in my sexuality. I won't tell you which actual party members I, I managed to have fun with. But, um, <laughs> yeah, boy, have, have I, I, I interspecies romance going on for me. So, yes, obviously I could understand that uh, there could be some nudity there. So I think you can tell from my perspective, it was funny, okay, rather than anything else. I, I don't think this is going to... Do you know what? I, I immediately regret starting that sentence. Of course somebody's downloaded the naughty stuff onto the internet. Of course somebody's done that. But anyway. So yeah, there are loads of endings. Your relationships, you can completely change your relationships with different team members. And indeed, you can take them on quite the personal journey as well. It's It's really... Interesting. It's so flexible. It should absolutely have won awards for storytelling because it's not just one story. And you genuinely feel like, and it's true, that your choices have consequences in the world. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. So, well done, Larian Studios. The basic setup is going 
Okay, back to the Mind Flayers again. They are psychic beings and they are unable to breed, although not the way I did it. What they do is they put a kind of mind tadpole into your head and then you will actually just turn into a Mind Flayer. And you seem to have a magic one because you're not turning. And, and if you like, literally the first scene is you're on a nautiloid. It's kind of a flying Mind Flayer ship. It's brilliant. It's like a giant octopus in the air, but it's a, it's a, an actual vessel and it gets attacked by dragons. Pretty epic. And immediately you have a mind flayer parasite put into your mind, into your head brain. And from that point on, you're just trying to get it out. So you have a ticking time bomb inside your head. So that's really interesting. And you meet various people who have also been captured on this nautiloid it, it crashes and then you wander out at the beginning i only had two people and i got roundly beaten and, and this is if there is one criticism of the game because it is it really does use dungeons and dragons to the point where every time it turns to combat it becomes turn-based it's not like swing 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 click x as hard as you can or as fast as you can you'll slay them it's like no you can do one action, you can do one cantrip. In other words, there's only a certain amount of things you can do, and then it's the next person's turn, and then it's the next person's turn, and it'll eventually go back round to you. And the problem with Dungeons & Dragons is right at the beginning, when you are level one, you have almost no health, and you can't dish out a lot of damage. And particularly was I was a wizard, because I knew I'd get more powerful later on, but you need some, some warriors around you, because you're, you're toast. You're useless in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And in the game, they throw quite a lot of enemies at you pretty quickly. So there were three times when I actually just turned down the difficulty. I was on normal virtually the entire time. And every time I turned it down, it's because, oh, come on, you're just cheating. At the beginning, I just, I just waded through it. It wasn't until almost at the end of Act 2 that I had to turn it down, to be fair. There are three acts to it. And I've got through the entire Act 1 without having to turn it down. But I shouldn't have to turn down the difficulty. I finished Elden Ring, for heaven's sakes, and that has no difficulty, and it's a notoriously difficult game. But an example was I was in a temple. This is to do with Shadowheart. It's, it's sort of the last thing you do with Shadowheart. We make a big decision with her, and so she's back with her clan, if you like, and the clan attack you. And it's things like there's about... 10 warriors with decent weapons and decent health so that's a problem but they've got four spellcasters four wizards each one the match of just me the one spellcaster of four people in our party so you're just swamped and therefore it's just unfair now interestingly as we've gone through it and to show the flexibility me and my boys all of us had completely different situations in act two i ended up fighting this incredible gelatinous not a gelatinous cube there are no gelatinous cubes in this but a huge fat barman zombie type guy because he was trying to poison me and i was in the middle of the fight and it was a hard fight and my youngest walked past me and went why didn't you accept the drinking game you can kill him that way it's like can you no idea but then i turned round to my eldest and went oh yeah so when you go here I went can you didn't know about that 
And so each map is not massive, but it's so incredibly dense. I managed to find an area in the Underdark. You, you go down into the Underdark, and if you immediately turn left, there's a whole area there that my kids just completely missed out. And it led to a really interesting adventure in that direction. And it, there is even a few references to it later on, which my boys didn't get. But then I won't go into it because I don't want to spoil it for you. But if this, if you're the sort of person who would like a really meaty, this is one of these video games where, oh, I'm just a casual person. Oh, I want to play a bit of Nintendo Switch or, you know, I'll play a bit of Fortnite. Good for you. If that's how you play video games, enjoy yourself. Knock yourself out. This is one of those crunchy, impenetrable games. I was still learning how, I was having to go online, and I have to say that two criticisms. One was sometimes it's just too hard because they are slavishly and rightly following Dungeons and Dragons rules, and there are times when you are just outclassed. However, my eldest son was able to use lots of area effect weapons and had a better build team. You know, he'd really crunched the numbers, which is one of his sweet spots, and he had the most optimized team. I was just role-playing with my group. And so he never had to turn down the difficulty at all and considered me cheating doing that. Also, because you can save at any point, there are times when it's like, I have to hit, I have to hit. So I will save. I have a 65% chance of hitting. Miss. Ah, okay. I'll reload. And then try that little roll of the dice again. And it does brilliantly at times have the literal roll of a D20 dice, which is the key dice die, technically. Singular is die in Dungeons & Dragons which just makes it feel more like a game of D&D. It is, it is a glorious game. The other criticism I have is anytime it comes to a puzzle which isn't in the standard way, it took me ages to find out if you clicked L3, the cursor could then move free floating. And there's this rather important puzzle. The first time you come across that was when you have to sort of like put these bits of a brain into a pattern. I know what I got to do. I've got no idea how to manipulate it. Go online. It's like, oh, can you? I didn't discover another thing about searching an immediate area and manipulating things until 73 hours into the game. This was when I was trying to create a portal to hell and just couldn't work out how to manipulate the things in the room. 73 hours and I'm still learning stuff about the game. So yeah, it has a lot of systems in it, which I'm going to say is a good thing. It means it's incredibly flexible. There are so many different ways. There's one puzzle where you have to be able to checkmate a king in two moves and it's randomly generated so there can't be any you know you have to know your chest to do this but then i noticed that the king itself was the only piece that had a health bar so i went over to it and with magic just destroyed it technically in less than two moves and so the game will allow you to cheese things like that you can cut out huge chunks of the game if necessary you can miss as i said right at the beginning i was losing and I only it was just me and Shadowheart, who's kind of a cleric, a healer. And it's like, where are all the other people? And then I wandered around and discovered other people. It doesn't hold your hand. It doesn't tell you what to do. It doesn't tell you where to go. You make your own choices. And I'm just absolutely in love with it. Now, my boys have then gone through, I think it's called a Dark Urge second play. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. 
Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. These are boys who have been fixated with FIFA and Fortnite and all those sort of games of service type games. Also things like Overwatch but they just recognize this is so much better. If I'm going to sink 30 hours into a game, you know, the second playthrough, they know what they're doing so they can do it faster, then why not have a really interesting story? And they're saying, hey, Dad, you should so play through it again. It's like, look, I've sunk in probably 100 hours in my first playthrough. I'm not going to do it again. Thank you very much. Anyway, I digress. But Baldur's Gate 3 is one of those games that as you're playing it, you just know it's a classic. As I said, I like a good role-play game. And I like a good open world. This isn't quite open as something like Skyrim or Red Dead Redemption 2. But this is my sweet spot. It's a Witcher 3. I would say it's as open as Final Fantasy 16. But there's a lot more to do in it in Final Fantasy 16. And it's a more in-depth game in every possible way compared to Final Fantasy 16. It may not be quite as epic. But Final Fantasy 16 pales into comparison. Just as, as I said in the Witcher episode when I said... Witcher 3 came out the same time or within the year of Fallout 4. Fallout 4 just looked like its poor cousin. Same thing with Final Fantasy 16. And I enjoyed 16, okay? But Baldur's Gate 3 is one of these games that's going to be referred back to again and again and again. If you want to know what the main makeup of my group was, as the wizard, I didn't use Gale, who I think is the name as the other wizard. So Gale, I never used. You don't need two wizards in your group. I use, as a warrior, I started off with Lazelle, and then you meet Karlak, who's a barbarian demon, and she actually has more hit points, more health than Lazelle, but she can't swing as many times as Lazelle, and Lazelle causes more damage. So my boys went, why are you using Karlak? It's the second best option for the fighter. And it's like, okay, fine. So I switched over to Lazelle for like the last 15 hours of the game. And then I've pretty much always had Asterion. I know a lot of people, particularly my boys, don't like him. He can only fight once. But if he can do one of his sneak attacks, he causes more damage than anybody else. He may only be able to do it once. But that plus his vampire bite, because he's a vampire half-elf. Of course he is. 
but also it's a roleplay game and there are loads of times when there are traps and there are doors and locks to pick and he is easily the best at that so yeah he's in the group i had will for a while but then uh got rid of him for shadowheart because shadowheart misses all the time but as she gets more powerful she is just your go-to healer and she has some very powerful spells to back you up and, and also between my wizard and her and some other spells and some magical items there were times when i had more than doubled my party size i can also summon at one point a sentient brain <laughs> not making this up called us so i've got us i can always summon a fire elemental and shadow heart summons a spirit from another dimension usually i do the cambion which is a sort of bat winged devil that can do fireballs so all of that on top of the four central team members it doesn't mean that you're unstoppable but it does mean that you got a fighting chance and and unless you're dealing with one of the key baddies and all of them have tricks to them which make them much harder to kill but there are also these supplemental baddies and going on Asterion's quest to meet his old nemesis, his old vampiric master. You don't have to do that at all. But that's probably five hours of content with really epic battles in it and lots of interesting choices as well. And it's important. I think you can tell, really in love with it. But this is one of the things, and this is why I spent 10 years playing roleplay games before all these video game type things when I was a teenager. In the words of my mother, what was wrong with you guys sort of sitting around for the whole Saturday at home, rolling dice? I knew where you were, you were off the streets, you weren't getting into any trouble, and it didn't cost a lot of money. So, yeah, when you put it that way, I wouldn't recommend every kid does that at some point. It's also really creative, and it's, it can be funny and silly and infuriating when your friend does something ridiculous at any given point. Roleplay games are great. There are so many more than just... Dungeons and Dragons, but it's the best well-known one. And and you look, there are some real edge lords out there going, oh, who plays D and D anymore? Oh, you've got to be playing this one or that one. And it's like, look, if you found the one that works for you, great. And if you're the sort of person who doesn't like mainstream, okay, fine. But it is worth pointing out that Warhammer is more popular than Dungeons and Dragons as an actual physical game, uh, but obviously doesn't have anything like the impact when it comes to general pop culture. So the the other thing I'm going to say just on the point of Warhammer is Warhammer 40,000 came out in 1987. So it's about 35 years old. It is on its 10th edition. Dungeons and Dragons came out in the 1970s. It's more than 10 years older and they're still only on their fifth edition. And this is important because you just want to have fun. I don't want to keep buying the books. And indeed, the thing about Dungeons & Dragons is there's no reason why you need to change it. If you wanted to pull out 2nd edition, which is what I grew up with, if you wanted to pull out 2nd edition, you could still use it today. There isn't anything else to, to work with. You can make your own adventures, and this is something that I do. I very rarely buy specific campaigns. Because in the books like the Monster Manual and the Dungeon Master Guide and these sorts of things, and your own imagination, it's easy enough to create your own adventures and worlds. And I've had such great time with it. I was brought back into it, I'm going to say five years ago. The boys again sort of were interested in it because of Stranger Things. And then we, with another family, we created a campaign. 
that ran on into COVID. Then we got iPads out and did it remotely. And everybody just had a great time. And we started with one of the starter books, one of the starter packs. So we started with official stuff. But I just spun it out from there into my own little campaign that kept these characters going. Everybody had a great time. This is the joyous stuff. You can absolutely have as much fun with pen, paper and dice as you can with video games. But you play it however you want. Certainly the production quality is a lot better on the video game. Anyway... Let me slowly move off all of this stuff. As always, I'm going to say, look, please click subscribe. Please tell a friend about it. Always good to hear from people. Give me ideas online. Tell me your thoughts. I did the one a while ago, ages ago, about history as a weapon. I feel enough time has passed that I can sort of say this. I was really worried about that episode because I was talking about real countries and their relationship to history and how they've taken political decisions on facts. And that could get me into trouble. My answer was almost invariably, it's complicated. Sometimes people who countries revile are a bit more sophisticated than just a cackling bad guy. Sometimes the hero of a country may not be as heroic as you might first think. And so I was worried about that. However, because I put it onto a podcast rather than just posting it on Facebook where I'm guaranteed to get slaughtered, I had a number of you reach out to me. What I found interesting is... You didn't reach out to me as just a general tweet or, you know, whatever, threads, etc. You gave me private messages. But I had a number of people saying, I absolutely agree with everything you said. And it's a shame that we're scared of being reasonable. So please give me ideas. Tell me what you think of this episode. This is surely an uncontroversial episode. It's like, I don't like role play games. OK, fine. You do you. But there isn't a right or wrong answer. You can't role-play games the wrong way, provided you're having fun. Do that, click all the subscriptions, give us a review, all that good stuff. Allow me to continue. So, the concept of a changeable storyline is very new. The closest I can get to it is the I Ching. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's translated as the Book of Changes. And this is an example of cleromancy. You've heard of necromancy? Well, there's claromancy, and that is to tell the future with sticks, by the throwing down of sticks. And I Ching still exists today. It originates from round about 1000 BC in China. Yes, of course, let's go back to China. Today, it's faded away a lot. However, it has been taken up by offshoots of Buddhism into sorts of things like Taoism and ancestor worship in Japan. Now, it is still used in China, but Japan, you wouldn't expect them to necessarily be using it, and they do. What's interesting is, the first time I was aware of it was in Philip K. Dick's book, Man in the High Castle, which if you don't know that one, that is a counter-narrative. I think it might have been one of the first ever alternate reality, alternate histories, where the Allies lost World War II. The book is set in America, and the east coast of America is owned by the Nazis. Then there's a middle, round about the Rocky Mountains, that's a neutral territory, where free Americans still live, but they have no real government. And then the west coast is part of the Japanese imperial powers. And most of the book centers around the West Coast. 
And in that, there's an antiques dealer. He's American. The Japanese love all the old Americana stuff, but he actually uses the I Ching as a form of divination. He's a real Japanophile. This was turned into an Amazon TV show, Man in the High Castle, where they extrapolated with it. It was four series, started in 2015, finished in 2019. And when it first started, the idea of like, oh, look, America's under fascism, it was an interesting bit of sci-fi. But by the time it had finished in 2019, it looked far more prescient than had any reason to initially think about it. Also, the Philip K. Dick book came out decades ago. So... It's interesting to me, that TV series, because it was a big deal at the time. A lot of money was spent on it. Nobody's talking about it. Only five years later. So, guess that shows you how fashion goes. But it's a really good show. What I would say is, the first couple of episodes, it's still tonally trying to find its feet. The idea of people resisting against the Axis Empire, the Axis powers. You've seen that before in various French resistance type movies, except this is happening in America in the 1960s. That's a bit different, but the rest of it just feels like I've seen it before. But once we're in about halfway through season one, they spend more time with the Nazis. And at one point, one group of Nazis is trying to assassinate Hitler. And it's really interesting because it's explained to you that things might actually get worse for people if he's assassinated. So you're sitting there going, do I want a Nazi to kill another Nazi or not? It's a really interesting dilemma to, to have. It's, it's a really good show. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. But anyway, back to the I Ching. It is used both on the book and in the TV show as well. And at that time, I actually looked into it. I wrote an article about the I Ching, and it's the fact that it's a still a living thing that is a connection back to Chinese society from 3,000 years ago, which is pretty remarkable. It predates the writing of the Old Testament of the Bible, and yet it is still a religious ritual today. Gem, how can you say it's the same thing as a choose-your-own-adventure or a role-play game? Well, clearly it isn't, but the point is that you have a mat with a grid on it. You then drop the sticks onto the mat, and depending on their positioning and a few other factors as well, you then look in the book. So it's almost like going back to Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston's fighting fantasy or the choose-your-own-adventure books from a few years earlier in America, where it's like you come to the end of the path, turn to page 74 if you want to turn left, turn to page 113 if you want to turn right. And so, depending on what number you choose, you then go to a different page in the book, which is exactly what's happening with the I Ching. It's a case of, depending on the layout and patterns of the sticks, you then look at various different inserts. Each bit is a couple of lines of, of writing next to a number. And so every time it's different. This is the thing about books in general. You may read your favorite book, but fundamentally, if you read it again or indeed watch a movie, you know exactly what's going to happen. But the thing with a video game like Baldur's Gate is my boys have played it again. And now they're doing it in a Dark Urge playthrough, which apparently encourages you to play it evil. I've played myself as largely good, occasionally a bit cheeky, little bit of stealing going on there just to enrich myself a bit more. But the point is that it's that flexible. And now they're, in essence, serial killing their way through a video game. I hope you think I'm a good parent. I don't know, maybe this is revealing too much. 
So with the I Ching, it actually allows you, in theory, to tell the future, but this one static book gives you different answers every single time, whereas Great Expectations or Hamlet, it's the same every time you read it. Again, it's, it's genius and brilliant literature, etc., etc., but that's not the point of the I Ching. And it's really interesting that this very granular idea of pulling together information, it's 3,000 years old. That's not very intuitive. I don't know if you would agree with that. However, if you're not convinced about that, let's talk about the very first almost choose-your-own-adventure. And it's written, I'm pleased to say, by two women, Doris Webster and Mary Alden Hopkins. This comes from 1930. So this is pre-World War II. It's nearly 100 years old. And they wrote a romantic novel called Consider the Consequences. And what's interesting about that is at the end, so most of the story is pretty straightforward. They explain what's going on and the courtship involved. But then it has a total of 43 alternate endings for you to pick the one that you think is most appropriate to this love story. This is genius. In a way, I would say that Doris Webster and Mary Alden Hopkins, that is so revolutionary. When we talk about great writers, they don't really invent stuff. They're just very good at putting the words together. You may say that's ridiculously harsh. And sort of certain people have invented certain things. I did an episode a little while ago on horror. So yeah, there's that one. But genre is one thing, but actually coming up with a completely different technical technique as to how to read a book, well, that's happened once, creating the book. So well done to Doris Webster and Mary Alden Hopkins because they came up with the idea of let's allow the reader. Because this is the thing, watching a movie or a TV show or indeed reading a book is a passive experience. In the words of Dar O'Brien, he did a whole great comedy sketch about video games. And he says, what a video game is, if you're not good enough, and this is the thing about Baldur's Gate, this is why I had to turn down the difficulty. I wanted to see what happened next. So I turned down the difficulty to give you the idea going all the way back to the Shadowheart bit that I was in. Even when I turned down the difficulty, two of my team were dead by the end of the thing. You can resurrect them, but that's how close I came to being wiped out, even on the easiest difficulty. So going to Dar O'Brien, he does this great sketch about video games, and he talks about it. It would be the equivalent of reading a book and it's shutting after you've read the first chapter and then quizzing you on what are the motifs, what are the metaphors, what's the motivations, things like that. And if you can't answer those questions, you don't get to go any further. And that's why I turned down the difficulty of the video game, because I wanted to see what happened next. So it is a hard game, but it's a brilliantly flexible game. And the point here is that you have the opportunity to make your choices and I absolutely love that. So, look, hopefully I've sold you on the world of roleplay games. I've sold you on the world of Baldur's Gate 3. Maybe I've inspired you to watch, again, The Man in the High Castle. But with all of that to one side, I've just had the time of my life. And I hope you have too listening to this podcast. And as always, another episode coming soon.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 